Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Unreroute the rivers, let the damned water beat. There's some people down the way that's thirsty, so let the liquid spirit free. The people are thirsty because of man's unnatural hand. Watch what happens when the people catch wind, when the water hits the banks of that hard, dry land. Clap your hands now. Go ahead and clap your hands now. Clap your hands now. Go ahead and clap your hands now. That was Gregory Porter and Liquid Spirit here on Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, on Jazz FM. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Jazz Shapers, the place, as you will well know if you join me at 9 o'clock every Saturday morning, where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents, their fantastic equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. My business shaper today, I am very pleased to say, is Nick Keller. He is the CEO and founder of Benchmark Sports International, which includes the sports industry group and beyond sport. Lots coming up from Nick and an interesting lot as well. In addition to hearing from Nick, you'll also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, some brilliant music from the shapers of jazz, soul and blues, including Booker T, Miles Davis, Madeline Peru, and this from Dion Warwick, I'll Never Fall In Love Again, here on Jazz FM. That was Dion Warwick, and I'll never fall in love again. As I build earlier, Nick Keller is my business shaper today, founder of so many things, it's a mouthful here on Jazz FM on a Saturday morning. Benchmark Sports International, the sports industry group and beyond sport. A lot of stuff, Nick. Thank you very much for joining me. Help me understand how in 2000 you set up your very first business, which I believe was Benchmark Sports International, and then help me understand what happened next. Well, good morning, Elliot. Thank you for having us on today. Um, I set, first set up the business having spent a period of time as a managing rugby players. Um, I was uh, playing rugby and I found a passion there for it. wasn't particularly good at school, um, so pretty focused on the sports field. And um, built up a lot of friends who were playing a decent level of rugby. When the game turned professional in 1995, all those years ago, I became a rugby agent. And for the first five years of my career in sport, managed rugby players and some well-known names that went on to play for England and the British Lions and win a World Cup. Will Greenwood being one. Absolutely, yep. And uh, people like Tony Diprose, Tim Stimson. Michael Liner. Michael Liner, Thomas Cassinet. Um, some Some great... Great names in the world of rugby. And uh, then in 2000, um, set up Benchmark Sport International, which in- included the sport industry group. And what was fascinating at the time, having worked in the sport industry for five years, um, is there was no network pulling the industry together. There was no real sport industry, actually. It was a collaboration of uh, uh, various agencies and federations, but there was no real cohesive meeting place for the industry. And a closed shop a little bit as well, wasn't it? I mean, people like to keep themselves to themselves. They like to be king of their own little little fiefdoms. I mean, that's the impression that one got from the outside. Well, you know, it's an industry of, of small businesses at the end of it. If we look at the sport industry, you can see Manchester United and the Nikes and the Adidas, a big business. But actually, once you move away from those, and Sky, uh, of course, but once you move away from the media 
operations and the very large teams. You're talking about an industry of small businesses, of, of, of SMEs. And it, it's uh, fascinating to see the enterprise that comes out of that industry. But what the sport industry group did for the first time was brought that network together and said that together we can be a bit stronger. So that interaction to where, where sport meets business, which we've seen grow so prolifically, primarily through media and watching the Premier League become this this superb international kind of export from our country. And one of those outputs, just so, uh, just to make sure I'm right, was the Sports Industry Awards, which was, again, a great sh- uh, showpiece, if you like, for the industry, which was your idea. I mean, you said, let's celebrate the great things that are happening uh, in sport. Absolutely. And... and in an industry, to celebrate best practice is very important. And what it does is it allows the whole industry to gravitate upwards as well. And the Sport Industry Awards now have, um, the BT Sport Industry Awards have a fantastic headline sponsor in BT, but also have about 1,700 people attend. Um, and is really is the set piece of, of the industry. And it's a gathering of all the talent um, from the, the field, the pitch, the court and the track, uh, meeting with the people that are in the boardroom and, and, and a full-on interaction between those worlds. Stay with me for more because Nick's also going to be talking about his other part of the business, very important part and social enterprise part called Beyond Sport. Stay with us here on Jazz FM. It's time for some music now and it's Booker T and 66 Impala. That was Booker T and 66 Impala. Nick Keller is my business shaper today. We've been talking about all things sport to kick us off here on a Saturday morning on Jazz Shapers. And Nick was talking a little bit about um, Benchmark Sports International, the fact he was involved in the rugby world, and then that's moved into a kind of a bigger overarching idea of bringing the sports industry together. And some of you may already know that there is this thing called the Sports Industry Awards. You're with me and the founder of that idea, that brilliant idea. But there was another one, and this was um, one of the most fascinating, and indeed, Nick, one of the things now that some people will not be aware of that, that should be, and it's called Beyond Sport. Give me the, the top line on what Beyond Sport Sport is. Well, Beyond Sport has a simple notion that sport has uh, a capacity and ability um, to change society for the better, that can improve individuals' lives, communities, uh, and indeed society as a whole. And that's where sport can interact um, around health, education, inclusion, um, crime prevention. Um, and that simple notion that sport is something that connects with people in so many different ways and so many different passion points that we can interact with people in a slightly different way, particularly young people that are hard to reach at the moment. And if you look at some of the biggest issues facing humanity, society as a whole, it is about how do we communicate to you this, this growing, young and, and in the main excluded population that we need to nurture and care about. And sport's one of the ways to do that. And Beyond Sports was about bringing together, again, the federations, the governing bodies, the all-powerful teams, the brands, the celebrities, and and getting them to collaborate with the charities and NGOs and development organisations that were doing the work on the ground and, and create this kind of 
great um, connection between the innovators and the influencers that were working, that interaction between sport, business and philanthropy. And what I love about it is, and we'll talk much more um, after the break and after some um, words of advice from Mishkan Dorea, we will talk about the phenomenal ability you have had to gather together amazing names. I mean, literally... You know, the top people involved in the world of politics and business and sport are involved in Beyond Sport. Tony Blair is one. Mm. Um, the brands you have in there at the moment, give me just a couple. Well, it, it, it's also, we've got Barclays involved, very involved, Time magazine. So we've got some fantastic partners there. Um, we've delighted that we're going to be working with Mishkan Dereno on, on a leadership series um, around sport as well. But fascinatingly, what we've managed to do is where there's been some separation in sport is where leagues compete against each other and teams teams compete against each other on the port and uh, on the field on the track and again in the boardroom for those valuable sponsorship and media dollars what we've been grateful to do is pull together people like the NBA the NFL the English Premier League uh, Major League Soccer Major League Baseball all these professional leagues in America our league over here and get them to collaborate together and bring their teams together um, so they might knock seven bells out of each other on, on the field of play, but they come together to share information about community change and how sports teams that really can have this huge impact in urban environments and cities uh, and how they can deliver social change within communities. Find out much more about how Nick has pulled this amazing group of people together. Latest travel coming up in a couple of minutes. And before that, as I promised, some words of advice for your business from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Hello, my name's Saul Sender and I'm a partner in the corporate department at Mishkondorea. The choices that small growing companies face when raising money are very similar to the choices that large international companies face when they're raising money in, in the city or, or on the international capital markets. Essentially, there's a decision to be made between raising debt finance or equity finance. Debt finance is as simple as a loan. It suits you best if you have regular cash flow because the obligation to repay is fixed and you need the, the money to repay it back on a periodic basis. Equity can be much more flexible, but on the downside to the business owner, you're giving away ownership of the company. You may be giving away future profits, you may be giving away future proceeds of a sale, or if you sell uh, more than 25 or 50% of the company, you may be losing control in due course. So business owners who are looking to grow need to weigh up the pros and cons of how to raise money. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning. You can join me 9 till 10. If you miss any of the brilliant guests I've had, go into iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers, find us there. If you'd like to tweet us today, our Twitter handle is at JazzFM. Lots of ways of getting hold of us. If you're on a plane, on a British Airways plane, you will find us. And even if you go onto ft.com or cityam.com, we may also be there as well. We are everywhere and it's fantastic, I think. Well, I would say that, wouldn't I? Nick Keller is my business shaper today and we were talking before Nick as the man behind Beyond Sport, which is um, an extraordinary organisation. He's also the man behind Benchmark Sports International and the Sports Industry Awards. Not much going on really, Nick. Um, Tell me about how you have decided, you decided way back that you would be comfortable approaching the most powerful, the most successful, the most influential people in the world of sport. Because people listening will go, wow, how did he do that? What gave him the right? What made him feel comfortable literally knocking on the doors of all those people? Where do you think you get it from, that confidence? I'd like to... It's not 
I think actually it was easy with that simple notion because I think the message, when you've got a simple message to deliver, um, you're only, you're a small percentage actually, as long as you deliver it in the right tone and with the right confidence, I think, as you say. Um, I'm also, and I think I've learned this, I've been an entrepreneur for an awful long time now, um, that you've got to be hugely resilient um, in this job. And I think that resilience and that kind of absolute restlessness to deliver different things um, and come up with new ideas and deliver them. And I think partly the message and partly that track record I have is actually if you can galvanise people together, if you can sell that message in, you can pull, doesn't matter how big the brand is, mm. um, they still want to be excited by fresh fresh ideas. But to be to spare you blushes, I mean, resilience is one thing. And many of my, my shapers say to me, you know, you've got to be tough because you're going to get a load of no's and just a couple of yeses. Mm. Separate to that, to me, is the creativity. You are intensely creative. Where, When are you at your most creative? Is it on your own? Is it when you've spoken to someone? Is it when you've had breakfast with someone well-known and then you go, hold on a minute? Where do you think your ideas are coming from? Because they are genuinely breakthrough in the world of sport. It's funny, I, I'm surrounded by a group of amazing young people in, in my business that I'm privileged to work with. And I think the only thing I possibly bring to the table might be that sense of creativity and, and, and maybe some leadership that comes a part of it. But um, a creative moment, I think we all have a creative moment, ability within ourselves. And what I find is that people don't have the bravery to tap into it or they're muted by their own lack of confidence to, to say what their idea might be. So you just come out with it? You say, I do. Why, why don't we just set up, I know what, we'll set up a global movement where sport can affect meaningful change. I mean, how do you come up with an if, idea if like you get, that? If I get one right out of 100, I feel pretty good. And I, I so we're just you, not seeing the other 99. Yeah, yeah, you just don't see those. But uh, I think there is a certain amount of, um, you know, when I came up with the idea of Beyond Sport... Um, it was actually called Sport United back in 2007, and I actually parked it for a couple of years. And then just as we saw the the world of banking and financial services turned upside down, I suddenly felt that this was an idea of, of was of its time and started to really drive behind it with only a two pieces, you know, pay, couple of pieces of paper. And I went to one of the largest banks in the world and said, look, I've got an idea. Will you get behind it? Will you sponsor it? And uh, Barclays, you know, very entrepreneurial decision got behind us. And without them, we certainly wouldn't be down here having run events worldwide and brought together some of the biggest brands, people, names, politicians in the world to talk about um, how we can support the NGO and charity community. Stay with me for much more from Nick Keller, my business shape. But time for some more music. This is Dave Brubeck and Campdown Races. That was Dave Brubeck and Camptown Races. I've been talking to Nick Kelly. He's my business shaper. He's the man with a plan in the world of sports. Nick, we've been talking about a lot of things, um, and you've mentioned resilience that's important, and you've talked about creativity and surrounding yourself with good young people who want to do things. What do you think... um, about your own influences because you have been in your own running your own business 15 almost 15 mm. years now who are the people that have most influenced you along that journey you know you you get uplifted by a lot of people along the way and I think if I go back to those first early mentors that I found at school and I, I did truly struggle I know a lot of people might say this but I found school totally baffling and found 
deep comfort out on the sports pitch. And it was actually a couple of sports uh, and teachers that made that connection. A guy called Chris Kelly, now who's just recently retired from being a headmaster, um, and Peter Wire, who was my business tutor at the time, and, and a guy called Tim Dingle, actually. And they, they recognised that I had the ability to work incredibly hard on the rugby field and that I recognised then that repetition was an incredibly important part of my learning process. Um, and so they, they were hugely influential of me crossing over from the sports world and then applying that, that again, resilience we talked about into the academic world, because it, it was truly a struggle um, to start with. And so I think they were fundamentally at those very first points hugely important to me. In the business world, I, you know, you draw from lots of places. We, we were talking about Michael Porter before, and, and we, we found a fair bit in common with Michael from Harvard Business School and his stuff around shared value. So he's been quite a uh, influential in how we've shaped beyond sport in the in the latter stages, but business wise, I, I look around and I, I you know, I, I've been doing this for. I, I don't. I know my business probably doesn't quite have the size, but I've been doing this quite a long time, having a lot of fun doing it, and so I've drawn from a lot of people, and, and I suppose I've learned as I've gone along, made my so many mistakes along the way, and just lucky to be here now, having survived those. Um, to start start flourishing now, actually. And just before we go um, to Madeleine Peru, just one example of a really big obstacle or a frustration you've had to overcome in business. Have there been episodes where you've gone, you know what, enough, I'm not going to do this anymore? I, I suppose there's a couple of things. If you are entrepreneurial and you back your own ideas, you are going to have awfully down moments. And um, I've had a couple of those once when I've when the crash came, actually, and I've, we had a sports focus concept that was out of the city and, and that really struggled. But you've just got to cobble together. You've got to be imaginative. You can't imagine. You can't allow yourself too much time to dwell. You have to be brutally, brutally relentless and resilient and pick yourself up and, and get on and, and search for problems um, outside. And the other the other time um, was, you know, we're funded by sponsorship, effectively. And so when you lose a big sponsor, um, you have to galvanise yourself and think creatively. Over, look, I've, I've got these, this, these are my costs, they're sitting over here. Uh, and how am I going to bring those revenues back in, into the fold? So basically really, really the focus time. on those problems, though. Make those, make those the, make, almost make that the way through it. Don't get dismayed by the outcomes, really just focus on how I'm going to fix it. You know, I always, I, I always say to people, what's it like to be an entrepreneur? I said, be prepared to have your head chopped off occasionally and regrow another one overnight. He has done that, by the way, in front of me, which is, which is extraordinary. Stay, stay with me and don't let it, let it regrow just for the last few minutes I'm going to have you. Final track coming up with Nick, plus the track, as I promised, from Madeleine Peru, and that's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. When I thought you were untrue 
That was Madeleine Peru and Changing All Those Changes. Nick Keller is with me just for a few more minutes um, here on Jazz Shapers. And we've been talking about lots of things and he's given us an insight into what it's like to have been an entrepreneur for 15 years or so. You mentioned Michael Porter, the very eminent professor, originally Porter's Five Forces, were famous in the world of business. More recently, he's been talking about what he calls creating shared value. Tell me just in a nutshell what shared value is about and why he thinks that Beyond Sport is such an excellent example of that in action. I think what we've seen around corporate philanthropy and giving is that we've moved from uh, people being a lot of generosity around just donating money, where organisations haven't felt a connection to the results and the impact. What they've done is they've given money, it might be business development or it might be just to feel good about themselves, but there's been no real connection to the impact that's come from that. Then we've seen the, the corporate social responsibility change, that obligation business feels to take a responsibility for society. And my sense is that anything born out of obligation fails eventually. Um, and then we're moving into a sort of whole new world, really, where we've seen in the last five years there's a level of accountability. And that might be from your employee, your shareholder, your consumer, your customer. And that level of accountability is meaning that we're making decisions in very different ways now. We're making decisions over how we feel about buying that product from that particular organisation. So perception has joined this kind of product, place, promotion and price as the key uh, buying points at the moment. And so... What you're seeing is businesses um, making these decisions, but also have to find a way to grow profit. Corporate social responsibility and donating took money away from profit. Business's fundamental objective is to grow profit. And so finding ways where we can be socially conscious, we can give back to society and grow um, grow our profit lines and our revenues and, and hit business objectives, I think is where we're going to see the world for, for a fair few decades to come. And for you personally and your businesses, and there mm. are a plethora of them, mm. um, if anyone wants to go along to the website and yeah. see just how busy Nick keeps himself, yeah. where do you see it going? What kind of shaping will you be doing of the sports industry over the next few years? I think there's um, a few trends we can watch. I, th I think... Um, in business to business in general, I think we've got to become a bit sharper over networking. I have a real strong sense at the moment that we've been obsessed by the global in the last few years. And I think problem solving is going to come from local and then be exported out. I, I think we've got to focus on solving local issues, particularly around urban environments, and export them out once we've got those solutions. Um, I think we really need to hunker down and think what is going to be good for our city, our country. Um, I also think, obviously, this trend around participation is continue. We're all exercising in very different ways. People are coming back to sport, and you can see the amount of races that are happening that are participation-led, and I think that trend will continue. And finally, this real interaction between sport, business, and philanthropy, um, I think, is going to be something that really... Um, stands out in the next few years. And I'm not just saying it's about sport. I think we'll see it in arts and culture. It's going to get a new injection of, of corporate money coming in as, as corporates seek to inspire their employees, engage their consumer in a different way. And, and content within social media becomes so important now. And everything's getting socialised so quickly mm. um, that, that no one can hide particularly anymore. So you've got to be genuine. And business, you now have to be totally um, authentic 
in how you behave. Great clarity. And before I actually ask you what your Sontras is, I should mention that Nick um, was one of the torch carriers in the London 2012 relay, which was, I'm sure, and he wouldn't have told me that, because, but I, I remember now seeing it on television at an incredibly proud moment for him and his family, and I haven't met many people that have carried the torch, so I just wanted to mention that. Your song choice, sir, what is it and why have you chosen it? Well, it's by uh, Lloyd Williams. It's Shamalama Ding Dong, and it comes from a, a film um, called Animal House, and it, it reminds me of a time where my life was shaped... Uh, by movies like The Blues Brothers, Animal House, Porky's The Sure Thing. And uh, we had a group of friends. far too much. <laughs> we had a group of friends back then and um, who, you know, in total of 100 years of friendship, um, that we knew these songs, sang these songs. We thought we sounded good, but there's some high notes in that song. And I don't think we hit them then. I definitely don't think we'd hit them now. But what it does remind me of, of, of something I value greatly, both in business um, and in my personal life, is how important loyalty is. And so um, that's the song I've chosen. So this is Shamalama Ding Dong from Lloyd Williams, and it is the song choice of Nick Keller, my business shaper. Thank you very much for joining me. Wait till Otis sees us! He loved us! It feels so good to be back here at the Death the Lake Club. We'd like to do for you now a tune entitled Shamalama Ding Dong. So hit it! That was Shamalama Ding Dong from Lloyd Williams from the film Animal House, which I remember fondly. The song choice of Nick Keller, my business shaper today, unbelievably clear and focused about what he wanted to achieve. Resilient, thick and thin, 15 years of being an entrepreneur, and he's still there going strong and really passionate and believes in what he's doing. Fantastic stuff. Coming up next is Nigel Williams, and he's going to be talking about Jazz Grammy Award winners, including their acceptance speeches. He's going to be talking to Gita De Palma from Jazzino in advance of the 28th of Feb Jazz FM gig, and she will be revealing a surprise in her band lineup. Thank you very much for joining me. Do join me again, same time, same place, at nine o'clock Saturday mornings here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.